can I talk to you for a quick sec uh, before we get going about something that's bugging me a little bit? Yes. Oh, whoa, you just, your tone of voice just <laughs> Well, you kind of freaked me out. I was just going to say, I hate that you didn't heart all the photo options that I sent you. Oh, <laughs> you totally freaked me out just now. Like, I was like, I, that was very scary. You had a very serious tone of voice on. Yeah, and you didn't pick the one with the dogs because I know you don't no, like them. So. No, it's not that I don't like the dogs. Mm-hmm. I don't like that you dress the dogs. I'm they just... <laughs> they picked those outfits out themselves. I'll oh, have you I'm... know. So you can take your judgment right back to Walmart in Rock okay. Springs. <laughs> this podcast addresses serious topics such as suicide that may be upsetting to some. Please use discretion while listening. Hey everyone, we are getting close to wrapping up season one of Mental Illness in Me. And it has been a huge learning experience and an amazing opportunity for both me and for Daniel, who is has been doing all of the sound editing for the show. Um, Daniel, hi, welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> this is my hired help, um, which means he doesn't get paid anything. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to talk to Daniel a little bit about why on earth he would agree to be a part of this totally nonprofit podcast um, that I was interested in starting. And before I have him jump into that, I want him to just tell us a little bit about himself and his background. So Daniel, go for it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, so I got started because you promised me that you would pay me. Um, so we'll, I guess, talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> <I did> not. <laughs> so, so yeah, Daniel, uh, I am a resident of Salt Lake City from New Mexico originally, New Mexico. Sorry, let me enunciate on this. And uh, <laughs> I met Katie at BYU back while I was still a student and she had just graduated and was in her first or second year of teaching. Um, and yeah, and we've just been best of friends ever since then. Yay! <laughs> yeah. So, but tell me about you a little bit. Like, what's your background? Uh, what are oh. the things that interest you? What's your line of work? All of that stuff. Besides oh, editing okay. the podcast. Got it. Yes. So uh, I did public health uh, in my undergrad at BYU. And that's back when I um, had a bleeding heart and believed that I could make the world a better place. So, <laughs> you're implying that parents... that is no longer the case oh well we'll get there we'll get there um, okay but yeah so I did that and then I uh I just got really fortunate really lucky to work in um the most amazing healthcare related job so everything from public health education to I lived in Micronesia in a country called Palau for a year um, doing grant writing, and uh, I was over a department that in the States I would have needed a PhD for, uh, but because I was the most qualified person with a bachelor's degree in Palau, I was able to to run an entire department. Um, and I only mention that because, number one, Micronesia is amazing, and it was this beautiful experience personally, but professionally, it really um, gave me this trajectory and this uh 
I guess, insight into what I really wanted to do. Uh, so once I got back from there, I went and, uh, went to grad school at the U, and now I work in uh, adult learning still, corporate education and training. And yeah, I love that. And then outside of work, I love photography, um, really, really into like landscapes and uh, just like taking family photos for fun and and all of that. I think it's it's a fun time. Um, and then I have two dogs that I seriously <laughs> love with all of my heart. Uh, I was wondering when they were going to be brought up. I was going to be shocked if you didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I was going to lead with them, but I figured I'd start from the beginning. Um, and then uh, Luca Lilly and Larry Watson, for those interested. Um, and, and yeah, and now we live in Salt Lake City and uh, single, just like, it's so weird. I'm 33 now and I'm coming to terms and Katie, you know, this better than I do. Right. Um, especially since you're, you're still entrenched in the LDS culture and it's such an important part of that, to, like find your companion, but I'm finally feeling now at my age, like, Oh, it is, there are unique challenges to aging alone that I never, ever thought about in my twenties. Yeah. Um, Anyway, why did I go there? Jeez, what a downer note. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, no, it's not. I, <laughs> no, I think that that's, I, I think that's really perceptive. And there really is, um, you do start having those fears. Like, what if I have to do life alone? Okay, this is really depressing. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But let's, but let's, let's segue right into uh, what is your particular experience with mental illness? Uh, what's your background there? Okay, love that. Um, so I, I'm going to set a little bit of context. Uh, I grew up um, being homeschooled, okay, uh, until uh, freshman year of high school. Uh, I, I went half-time freshman year and then full-time starting in sophomore year. Um, and that was a really phenomenal experience, being homeschooled. Uh, I had, I have and had just the best mom as far as teaching me and uh, very supportive. Um, but despite her best efforts, there are certain limitations to homeschooling, which is very relevant now with COVID. I think uh, the lack of socialization in a traditional sense uh, really really kind of shaped my personality and how I interact with people. And I'm realizing more and more now as an adult, how much it's still is just kind of a part of my narrative that I, I would like to think isn't, but it is. Um, Interesting. And so, so I guess, uh, yeah, my, my specific experience with mental health is that I, I grew up very LDS went on a mission, loved it. I have no qualms at all with, with growing up LDS. But um, after I came back from my mission, I started to uh, divert away from the church for some theological reasons and because I was also um, a raging homosexual. So, <laughs> like, Sorry, I'm not to... laughing at that. I'm just <laughs> laughing at the way you said it. That's a hate crime, Katie. Uh, no, it's yeah, so... not. I just, no, the way you said it was funny. <laughs> So it's like coming to terms, number one, with losing your, your origin faith, 
and then dealing with like kind of being a pariah of society as far as like my my social um social world at that time it was not a popular thing to to be gay necessarily and and again a lot of that could have been tied up in my own mental limitations yada 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 i started going to therapy because it was really important to me back when i was about 23 24 to separate out okay what is what is being gay mean and then also in a separate category am i am i leaving the church and not wanting to be um, part of the church because i'm gay or is it because of theological reasons and then the third thing was dang like gay straight whatever you are life is kind of hard so like how how do i go about this and all that kind of interwoven with i'm like this awkward homeschooled kid in a in a grown man's body now what <laughs> what do i do with this <laughs> Uh, wow uh yeah that's that is uh, it's a really good way of putting it how there's different components to what you were dealing with there and i i really appreciate that you are recognizing all aspects of it um from kind of your background growing up to your religious sort of um turning point i guess or and then also your sexuality and everything and just kind of looking at it each uh each part and seeing how they play together, but recognizing that there are separate um, things that are contributing to your feelings, I guess. Yeah, it's so multifaceted, right? Right. Um, well, and another thing, and I don't, I don't want to like get too dark about this, um, but I, from from about my teenage years, I I had suicidal t- thoughts. Um, extensively like and it it was something that I never really understood was abnormal until I was older because I thought I thought just like everyone had like these dark kind of days and everyone um you know thought about killing themselves uh every once in a while um and then it wasn't until I started working with my first therapist the therapist was like no that's it's like not, it's not right. like a thought pattern to have. It's not, and so then we started diving into why is that? And I think some people are just a little bit more wired to um, having having kind of dark episodes in that way versus others, and oh, knowing how to mitigate that. And yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You're right. I think a lot of times with mental health, people think something is normal that is not normal. I was talking to one of my cute former students on a previous episode. You might remember this. And she said, and I just thought it was regular to be like, (laughs) to just go into the bathroom and cry after I had to give a presentation in front of my peers. But then my therapist told me it's not regular. (laughs) We assume that, that that's how life just is. And we have to deal with it. And we don't realize that there are ways to, to make that better. Yeah, absolutely. So what, made you interested in I mean why were you so willing to help out on this podcast especially knowing that it you know it was a sort of a what do you call it like a garage effort (laughs) what made you so willing to help out on this project that is volunteer uh I love that you keep emphasizing that it's volunteer uh (laughs) well Uh, well 
number one, I I just love you dearly, right? Like you are just yeah. one of the best people I know. Um, and then number two, like getting to know you over the last ten years and seeing you're you're just you're such a insightful person in this specific area, and I I love how you like are able to so freely talk about like your struggles and and maybe you're insecure about it internally but it feels like you're owning it in a way that um that just really resonates i i find it very impressive and something that i i aspire to do as well so yeah awesome i'm so glad and i was actually thinking today about how you have just become part of our family over the past 10 years, I was thinking, you know, you at least shared an Easter dinner with us, I believe, or mm-hmm. was it Thanksgiving or was it, it was Thanksgiving? I think, and I think you've both, taken, yeah. yeah, probably both wedding pictures at um, two weddings now and family pictures of Christina. And you're just, you're just kind of part of the Houston crew. Um, my question is, my next question is, what did you think about mental illness or mental health Um five to 10 years ago and how has your perception changed over the last decade? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd say 10 years ago, geez, 10 years ago, I, it was just such an immature and uninformed view. Um, it definitely felt like mental health was and mental illness were more, um, like extremes, like like bipolar and manic depressive and uh, whatever that serial killer guy had. Um, you know, sociopath. <laughs> yeah, sociopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't realize how nuanced it was. Like, and, and like we were talking about earlier, so multifaceted. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be just a bunch of little things that result in really disruptive um, components in your life. Anyway, so 10 years ago, I thought that was very black and white, like, oh, there are some some sad people and some people that um, need like pills to help them manage things. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, while I yeah. had that viewpoint, I was also like thinking about killing myself. So there you right. go. Um, <laughs> yeah. But now it's evolved to um, number one, societally, it is such, it's so much more open and free to talk about without the stigma. Uh, I remember an effort being led, it seems like it was like 10 years ago, but maybe it was more recently, but destigmatizing mental health. And I really feel like it's worked on societal level so much, like even so much where I had a job interview today and, and they were just talking about like, oh, they have this great mental health program and they have high participation. And I just don't feel like that stuff was talked about um, 10 years ago as openly, but now it's just, it's kind of part of our societal vernacular. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you're right. And I love how you slipped in the job interview thing. <laughs> new, new job interview, new house. Okay, cool. Um, hey. Hope no one's so, listening at my work. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh dear. Well, um, I I'm curious as to because you know this is like this is a new thing for me 
podcasting. I know you've done a little bit with it uh, in the past. Um, and there's, I'm trying to learn lots of different things. And from your perspective, what are some more things that you would like to see on the show? What kinds of guests would you like to have be interviewed? And what kinds of things would you like to learn about uh, people who suffer from mental illnesses? Okay. Um, one one thought that I've had uh, for a little while is I would love to hear from some social workers and therapists. I know that you've had some phenomenal uh, therapists over the years. It'd be awesome if we could hear from one of them even. Um, yeah, I have one lined up for season two. She's going to come. Girl, look at you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, it's going to be awesome. And then I also think that it would be really interesting from a social work perspective, uh, like to hear about the mental health, uh, the mental health um, world within uh, the homeless population and how that interacts with policing. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the political arguments at all, but I do think that it's really interesting to to know as an adult now how much mental health impacts like veterans and the homeless population. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know what I mean? I just think yeah, that'd be a, an interesting angle. I do too. And I think that a lot of times, um, especially with gun control, and I know, like I said, or like you said, it's not, we don't want to get political here, but it would be interesting to hear from a professional standpoint to what degree um, they feel like mental illness has played roles in things like the school shootings um, and in my mind, there's no question that mental yeah. illness and mental health has played roles in some of the biggest tragedies that we have experienced, um, in this country. And it would be really interesting to hear their perspective of what needs, what should be done, you know? One, and one other topic, I, I love that I'm like, I don't want to get political and now I'm bringing up all the political topics. That's I would fine. love to hear from some, uh, health professional that works with adolescents on what the the woke and quote-unquote cancel culture what kind of impact that has on adolescents going through high school um interesting cause, yeah because like i have i have a niece who's um i think she's a sophomore now and i just if i think about it too much i get so sad for her thinking about how um you know, you can be bullied so easily on Instagram and Snapchat. Like, I can't even handle Snapchat. Are you kidding me? Um, right. Like, so many negatives. We're, and then on the flip side, there's, like, TikTok, which is super fun and light. But um, but I feel like people are so quick to pass judgment right now. Uh, oh, yeah. Without, without really having as much empathy as, as maybe they're demanding. Anyway, absolutely it's, it's I and you just yeah and you just made me think of another one I would love to talk about with somebody who specializes in mental health uh as it relates to social media and just oh, yes. what what the impact is maybe that one guy who goes and speaks at schools everywhere what's his name I can't remember but anyway <laughs> he gives like a really good lecture on it and it it would just be really really interesting to find somebody who can talk about like what it's doing to youth and to adults. I find my, I'm an, I feel like I'm a phone addict and it definitely affects my mood. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Let's, let's try to get that. As soon as we become really big and we have like 
20,000 <laughs> followers. That's like apparently my goal, 20,000. Um, then we can get like really famous guests on our show that can talk like Dr. Oz from Oprah. Mm, yes. Thank you. Yeah, I think let's... he's like a doctor, not a, <laughs> I think Is he though? I think he's... well, I, I think he's a doctor, not like a psychiatrist, maybe Dr. Phil. I feel like his first name is doctor and he just goes with it and hopes no one asks. <laughs> it's possible. It is possible. Okay. So my next question is what would be your hope with our podcast? What goal do you, would you like to see mental illness in me achieve? 100% impact on individual lives, right? Like I think you and I both. Yeah. That's our absolutely. number one thing. Like I want to see reviews and people leaving reviews of the podcast talking about the positive impact that this has had or that it's opened their minds um and then obviously getting listenership up is is something i'm really interested in just because i think there's such a wide variety of people that you're interviewing and you do it in in such just a, a light but meaningful way um there's just so many good insights uh, yeah, and then I like your number twenty thousand. Yes. Yeah, let's let's make that our goal for 2020. Uh, twenty twenty. Twenty thousand two hundred followers for twenty twenty. Sounds great. Twenty twenty one. Yes. Oh. Tw- oh. Yep. That would be the year. That would be. <laughs> let's the not one. do this year again. <laughs> no, let's not do it again. Well, and here's the thing. Um, it's not a, obviously it's not about um followers because it's not like either of us are trying to monetize this. This is all just a, a labor of of love and, and, and desire to help people not feel alone and help people. I mean, it started just trying to get through the quarantine without going absolutely insane, you know? So hoping to reach people. And I also think that, um, I just want people to know they're not alone. Like for me, that's one of the goals is like, look, there are other people who think just like you do, but you don't have to live that way there are ways to get help. And so I hope that hopefully that'll, that goal will be achieved too. Um, So I've been really excited to hear your answer to this question because you're probably one of the only people that's listened to every single episode beginning to end because you've been the one to uh, do the sound editing. And by the way, I need to tell our listeners right now that a lot of the edit the sound issues um most of them have been my fault (laughs) there's certain he can only edit so much uh when I'm walking around my house and like cooking and things like that so season two we have plans for uh we have a a new microphone that donated to our podcast yep and so we're hoping to to fix some of those sound errors. But what's an episode of the show that really resonated with you as you were editing it? And why did you enjoy it? Well, I feel like you already know that this is coming because I'm so predictable. But I really loved Jeremy and Tina's episode, um, obviously, because I know them, right? Yeah. Um, but I I had no idea. And, and Jeremy and Tina, that's... Christina, Katie's sister, and Jeremy, her husband. Um, sorry, I was talking to your audience and not you. That was rude of me. No, that, yeah, I got it. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but like, I've known Jeremy as long as I've known you nearly. And yeah. he is such like a guy's guy, talks about sports non-ironically and actually likes it. 
Um, <laughs> and it's just like a good, hardworking guy, just devoted to Tina, has the kids, has the job, blah, blah, blah. Um, and just realizing that, again, realizing, and I should already know this, but somehow I keep forgetting that even these people that present as just these um, totally unshakable, just like confident people, they have their own insecurities, they have their own issues, and and that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that doesn't make him any less of a of a of a man or of a husband or of a person, you know? And then yeah. Tina just like I think since I've had a couple long-term relationships and I'm I'm like still striving to figure out like what is it that I want just hearing the interplay between the two of them and she's like such an amazing woman so so strong and fierce in her own way um erect and hearing about tina's own struggles which again i would never guess that someone um that has the charisma and the strength that she puts out would be having any like insecurities or any struggles Uh, right it was just it was really really nice to hear about how they they feel flawed and imperfect um it wasn't nice to hear that but it was a good reminder to me um yeah that even these people that look so perfect and like they're living this ideal life they still have their own things that they're dealing with right and i think that that's important for people to see because it shows that you can have a normal well i quote unquote normal but you can have a life that is happy and fulfilling, even if you do struggle with mental illness, it doesn't, it's not a death sentence. It's not, um, it's not something that has to uh, define you, you know, it can just be a piece. Right. And like, and I think going back to social media's impact on adults, like, I have intentionally gotten rid of Facebook on my phone, and I've stopped following any influencers, because, um, all you see is this perfect curated view. And even like some of these people that post these quote unquote non-curated, like this is the real me, raw me kind of thing, yet they just happen to be looking perfect still. It's like, right. no, I, I'm fine if that's the reality you want to put out into the world, but I, it's not good for me to keep seeing right. it day after day and think like, man, there's something wrong with me that I don't wake up with luscious blonde hair every day and I just have this <laughs> graying dirty brown hair still Ugh. I feel like that was an attack on Christina directly oh that I guess oh whoops it wasn't a, <laughs> I was thinking about someone that looks just like her though it's true <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny no I yeah I totally agree with that and I think that hopefully that that's the purpose of finally sharing our stories because we don't want to share the ugly and honestly mental illness is a lot of ugly it's Mm -hmm. thoughts that people don't want to admit that they have it is darkness that they feel ashamed that they can't overcome and so being able to share those things and say like look I've been through this and you're not alone I think is a really important thing and I I uh, look forward to more episodes of of people doing that and I actually think this is kind of cool having like a recap at the end of the season of us kind of talking over the season and what worked and what didn't I think we should make that a tradition 
I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's awesome. Anything else you want to share from, um, the, from this season that you've noticed or liked or with your own experiences? Uh, you know, I would say something that has come up a couple times in a few of the episodes over this first season, and then it's definitely resonated true in my own life is the importance of having um, a good support network, whether that, whether that's the, I can't remember her name, but the woman that lives in Oregon, she was a a real sweetheart. It sounds like Mm -hmm. Um, she had, yeah. Oh, that's right. Christina. She had, she had a network of people that she worked with, like in my own personal life. I, I have been so lucky despite how awkward I can be that I had some, a few key friends and I'm like such an introvert. uh, And there's so many days where I just don't want to deal with anyone because I'm just, you know, know, feeling so debilitated, but like, like thinking back to college when we knew each other and you had no reason to like me because I put you through the ringer and, you know, like, It just like wasn't an ideal time in either of our lives for like certain things right. to come up. Um, but then, you know, being invited to your family Thanksgiving and being invited to Easter dinner, like having those social interactions, which would I rather stayed in bed and felt sad during those times? Yes, but I didn't. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I had people in my life like that. And I think what I'm trying to say is uh, to anyone else that is struggling with, with mental illness, it's so important that if you don't have a support network, that you find that support network, uh, whether, whatever it is, whether it's text counseling or physical interactions with people and friends. Like I think shutting, shutting people out is such a tempting thing to do, but it's probably one of the worst things you can do. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes you have to get out of your shell in order to find that support system. But once you do, it is, uh, it makes all the difference. That's for sure. Special thanks to Daniel Sowards for the audio editing, to Carrie Randall for the graphic art, and to Shiny Head Productions for the original music.